Welcome to Raising Connections. I'm your host, Ray Shan Mayer. This is the program where we talk about all of your critters, companions, commerce, and agriculture, and the connections between them. We have a really interesting and concerning topic this morning, canine upper respiratory disease. There's been so much media talk, so many things going on around this particular Is it an outbreak? Is it something that's going around? Is it just that time of year? What is this? Let's make some connections. All of our dogs have one thing in common. They're breathing. At least we hope they are. Some of them have smushed faces. Some of them have elongated faces, brachial versus a traditional face. Some of them have big lungs, small lungs, deep lungs. It all depends on how they're built, but they all are breathing. That means if there is an upper respiratory canine illness in our environment and it's spread by droplets and the dogs are breathing, Well, you know what that means. There's a possibility. But is this upper respiratory virus that's going around, is it a virus? Is it a bacteria? What is it? Is it a combination of them? And who's more at risk? The dogs that are breathing or not breathing? Well, we've already established that. It's the ones that's breathing. But what makes the difference and who gets this and who doesn't and what is it? And Is this just media hype? Is there any more disease out there than there has been in the past? Or are we just talking about it more? The numbers around this are quite interesting. So we've established dogs are breathing and there's an upper respiratory canine illness going around. Is it kennel cough? We're going to talk about this. Kennel cough is actually a bad, bad, bad misnomer. And it's not just because I own Mariah Bellmanor Kennel. Kennel cough is a term from back in the day. And it's much like a term that now means something, but it's a brand, if you will. Go on this thought journey with me. We're going to wrap this back up to breathing dogs, I promise. If you say... Pass me a tissue versus pass me a Kleenex. Have you ever thought about that? Or could I have a Coke? You don't say, oftentimes, do I want a Pepsi or do I want a Sprite? But especially in some areas of the country, you want a Coke. You refer to a specific product because of the brand name on that product, right? Well, kennel cough is one of those things that, if you think about it like Kleenex or Coke, is a brand. It meant back in history at some point, Kennels were associated with dogs coming together in large numbers, one of those dogs being not well, having an upper respiratory disease. Disease doesn't always mean something long-term. It can be a bacteria or an infection, cold, if you will. One of those dogs had a cold and passed it to the other. It often happened in kennels because in the past, that's where the dogs would meet. Oftentimes, in our more modern 15, 20 years, if you think that is modern, The daycares have risen, the boarding, people are more mobile than they were. Our populations are moving in different areas. We board our dogs more often, we take them with us to more places. And so the more that we move our dogs around and the more that we socialize our dogs and do dog daycare and all these activities, the more at risk they are for upper respiratory infections. That's why sometimes when you ask for a Kleenex versus a tissue, You think of a Kleenex, the box that looks like the Kleenex box, right? You ask for a Coke, you expect the Coke symbol and the bottle and the whole nine yards. Well, if you get kennel cough, you think of, well, dogs together in a kennel, but that's truly a misnomer. What it means is an upper respiratory infection. The name technically for this is canine upper respiratory disease. Traditionally, kennel cough, like we talked about the Kleenex, was caused by Bordetella bacterium. This is a bacteria, and that was typically what was associated. So when you get the kennel cough vaccination, what you're actually getting is a vaccination to approximately 13 strains of upper respiratory bacteria, which can cause kennel cough-like symptoms, right? Okay, here we go. Everybody ready? This is going to be gross. You ready? That's what kennel cough sounds like. If you've heard that, and you can see the reverse sneezes, you know, if you need to text me about my sound effects, it's hello at raisingconnections.com. But that's what kennel cough is. It's upper respiratory. It sounds like a sinus infection that humans get, but in dog form. 
The vaccination for kennel cough is typically 13 strains of bacteria, all in the Bordetella family. There are 26 or more strains of Bordetella bacterium that can cause that sneezy, snotty, gross-sounding cough, like those wonderful sound effects we all don't need to hear again. What happens when it's a virus? What happens when it's something that we don't know what it is? And that's what's going on now. Veterinarians are reporting an increased number of dogs presenting with acute respiratory symptoms ranging from really some mild things that self-limiting. Self-limiting means you're going to get over it on your own to really severe life-threatening going into a pneumonia. And you got to think about this. Think about this in human terms because we're all mammals. Bronchioles are the upper part of your lungs. That's where your air starts going in. When you get bronchitis and then it turns into pneumonia, that means it goes down in your lungs, right? Well, this is what's happening with the dogs. They're getting an upper respiratory something, and then it goes further and deeper down into their lungs, and it causes a pneumonia. And that is where a lot of these dogs are passing away. Let's dive into this a little bit more. This disease or this infection is not responsive to some of the commonly prescribed antibiotics that you would use for a bacteria. Now, we got to make something really, really clear here. Viruses do not respond to antibiotics. Only bacterial infections respond to antibiotics, okay? This is really, really, really important. That's why viruses cannot be treated with antibiotics. Antibiotics can kill bacteria, but they cannot kill virus. That's really important to remember. When one of our dogs or one of our people has an infection, there's a couple things to think about. Is it self-limiting? And this is what the social media is filled with right now. Social media is filled with stories that are very distressing. The social media pieces, and you always have to remember, social media is what somebody else chooses to post. It may not be the whole story. And oftentimes, the level of journalism on social media is a firsthand account of what the person believes has happened. Social media is filled with these headlines and anecdotes of healthy pets coming down incredibly sick and passing away. This is where your veterinary in your own community knows you, knows your pet, you have a relationship, you see them for vaccinations, you see them for checkups, they know what's going on. This is where your kennels and your pet groomers look at this and go, you know what, I know you see this pet every day, but in the past six weeks, something's really changed. This is where it takes that community to make everybody a little bit stronger. Self-limiting disease or self-limiting infection means your body is going to clear it. I mean, it's going to get over it yourself. You don't really need some extra support. Your body's going to take care of it. Do something that's life-threatening. Life-threatening means you know, we talk about dogs breathing. Mm, well, they might not be so much after this. So where is this and where is the balance in this? Where are the vets getting involved? Have these conversations. University of Florida Shelter Medicine, University of New Hampshire, UC Davis, Illinois, so many universities involved in this. What is this kind of thing? And you know what? This is the shocking news. Are you ready for this? To the universities, this is not new news. University of New Hampshire has been isolating and working on bacterial diseases. Just like in human medicine, the folks who do research on infectious disease for dogs have been working on these things for a long time. 
doesn't mean they have all the answers, but there's always work going on. The community of medical professionals and research professionals are not sitting on their laurels until they hear there's something new. They're actually actively working on this. Dr. Needle at a university in New Hampshire about a year ago found a mycoplasma. Mycoplasma is one of those things that can cause pneumonia when it gets into the lungs or it can exacerbate an underlying condition. And when that happens, guess what? then you get the pneumonia, then it can progress or it can be treated. What Dr. Needle found was that there's a small bacterium, probably a cousin to mycoplasma and has it morphed. But something about this mycoplasma, this unknown new bacterium, if you will, has changed to make it more infectious. And what that means to you, what it means to me and our pets who are all breathing is that something has changed so that this particular bacterium that was identified a year ago the doctors have been working on, the medical researchers have been working on, something has changed so that it wasn't responding to the antibiotics that it would normally respond to. Why is that? Let's put a connection together here. Remember 30 years ago when it was pretty common, 30 years or more, when it was pretty common to go to the doctor and you would get the penicillin, the miracle drug that saved so many people, the amoxicillin, the pink medicine that tastes like bubble gum, or you were one of those folks who had the reaction to penicillin amoxicillin and you'd use the sulfonamide drugs. And, you know, if you're one of those folks, you know what we're talking about. And antibiotics were saving so many people. And then we matured in our use of antibiotics and realized that part of the side effect of this, not only was it you know, maybe the itching and scratching and the bathroom issues, but we actually had created from the overuse of antibiotics or the incomplete use of a prescription of antibiotics bacteria that were able to survive the use of antibiotics. They were becoming resistant to antibiotics. One of the questions being asked by the animal research community is, is what we're seeing a soup of microbes that has wised up and they've learned how to avoid some of our traditional treatments? Is this new, if you will, illness, a virus? And why? Melissa Bayer from University of Davis echoes a lot of what people are wondering. These cases are showing up all over the country, and the epidemiologists have not found unifying factors. You know, there's not been the index case of dog A in Oregon coming to Maryland and bringing X, Y, and Z disease with it, but these issues are popping up all over the country. So is it the same germ that's causing the issue? Is it a different one? Is it the season? What's being related? We will look back at this and we will have the answers, but right now it's not incredibly clear. Most veterinarians are talking about kennel cough. What's making these dogs ill? I want to break down kennel cough. When we come back, let's talk about what is kennel cough, what is not kennel cough, and what to do with this atypical canine respiratory disease that's going around. Join me, Rayshan Mayer, from Mariah Bellmanor Kennel for our new adventure, Living Life Tales Up podcast, combining everyday life with what goes on at the kennel and farm, a bit of humor, some ideas, and some positive happy bubbles. We're living tails up, nose down, and staying on track. We hope to see you on Living Life Tales Up for five to 10 minutes worth of happy, happy bubbles shooting out there in the atmosphere. See you soon. Welcome back to Raising Connections, CIRD. Canine infectious upper respiratory disease or an atypical canine respiratory disease is what we're talking about today. But what is kennel cough and where did it come from and why are we naming it that? Here we go. When you as a person have a sneeze and you reach for that thing in the box that comes out individually and you blow your nose on it and toss it in the trash that's not the handkerchief, it's the disposable version of the handkerchief. What do you call it? Do you call it a tissue or a Kleenex? 
There's a whole lot of us who call it a Kleenex because of the brand name Kleenex and the marketing campaign. Okay, maybe you don't use tissues. How about a Coke? In some areas of our country, we ask, do you want a Coke? What kind of Coke do you want? And that again is a marketing issue. What kind of Coke do you want? Instead of saying a soft drink or a pop or a soda, depending on where you're from, you want a Coke. Canine cough or kennel cough is sort of the same kind of branding. Canine cough was originally isolated in populations of dogs that lived in kennels. It's an older term, and typically you'll hear it sometimes, but not always. It's an upper respiratory infection. It's a head cold or a chest cold for a dog. Bordetella is the bacteria that would oftentimes cause the upper respiratory infection in a dog. And typically those dogs were in a kennel population because in the time frame we're talking about, as a society, we did not travel with our dogs as much as we do now. We didn't take them to daycare. They weren't as active in sports. They were not in the community in the way that they are today. Kennel cough was often associated with a bacterium called Bordetella. Bordetella roughly has 26 to 28 different varieties, all cousins, if you will, an extended family. The vaccination for kennel cough or Bordetella bacteria contains roughly about 13 strains, and it can either be an injected or an up the nose, as a lot of folks will say, an inhaled vaccination. That vaccination doesn't protect your dog from absolutely everything out there that can cause upper respiratory disease. I think that's important to talk about. There's a lot of different viruses and bacteria that can cause an upper respiratory issue and even allergies that can cause symptoms that look like an upper respiratory disease. Professor Jane Sykes at University of Davis focuses on infectious disease and she warns us, just because your dog is sneezing and coughing doesn't mean be panicked. It means have a conversation. What's normal for your dog? What's not normal? Dr. Scott Wees has a wonderful blog I often enjoy. And the name of it, it's memorable. Are you ready? Only in veterinary medicine could you name a blog this and be proud of it. Worms and Germs. What a great title. He reports the two things are getting mixed up. I have to agree with him on this. Two things are getting messed up. Ontario Veterinary College is where Dr. Weez is based from. Do we have more disease? So do we have more of it or do we have something new? And those two aren't necessarily connected. So all the topics that you're hearing on social media is that because we all are having more reporting, we've become more sensitized through the recent few years and we are more aware of these things? Or is there really more of it? Is there something really new out there? And that's what your research veterinary medicine community is working on. That's what your shelter medicine facilities are working on. This is what your veterinary schools are working on. And despite all the individual case studies that are being reported on social media, they would indicate that there's a huge national outbreak out there. But is there? Talk to your local vets. Here's what's so concerning. I want to put these numbers out there. The American Pet Products Association, the folks who kind of keep a tab on how many dogs we all have, 65 million households with dogs. 50% of those have more than one dog. That's a tremendous amount of dogs. That represents, are you ready for this number? In 2022, $1,360,000. Are you ready for this number? Here we go. In 2023, all those pet owners spent $136.8 billion on our pets. If we're spending this amount of money and we have 65 million households, 50% of them with more than one dog, do I think there's a small amount of case studies on the internet and on social media for what's actually really going on? Absolutely. 
Now, I want you to think about this. $136.8 billion, roughly $36 billion of that was spent on veterinary care. And when you break that down, how much of that was spay and neuter? We're not talking to our vets as much as, well, maybe we need to. Give that one a thought. Dr. Needle Lab, New Hampshire. We talked about the mycoplasma and the new bacteria. It's quite possible that it's a secondary bacteria infection. It's a secondary infection. Maybe you get a virus. Maybe you get the sinus infection. Then it goes to your bronchioles. Then it goes to your lungs. You know, it could be happening. Here's something else. One of the places I follow, and I really enjoy their work, is University of Florida Shelter Medicine. Shelters are a whole different world than boarding facilities or pet facilities or pet sitters and veterinary worlds. The shelters deal with so many different things. In the recent months, we've had some really highly contagious issues in shelters, which it's not uncommon. These pets are coming from really rough standards of living. The highly contagious pneumovirus, which is different than bacteria and a virus, pneumovirus or streptococcus. Pneumovirus and streptococcus are spreading through shelters in some areas. And I want you to think about this. There is nothing wrong with rescuing dogs. Rescue dogs need to have special care before they go into a general population because they have been through a really rough time of life. It's been stressful and their immune systems are compromised. And that has created an environment where they could pick up many different things that they don't want either. And it's not a fault thing. It's just an is thing. I've never known a microbe to not take an opportunity when they have it. Our normal pet veterinarians do not see this type of rescue shelter situations that the shelter medicine folks see. And that's one of the reasons I really like to follow the shelter medicine community because it's a bellwether. Many of us will shelter foster dogs or transport dogs and it has the opportunity then to come in contact with our pets. And when that happens, it's not a fault. It's an is. Microbes are opportunist. And that's how we could inadvertently be spreading diseases that we don't want to spread while we're sharing our love. Keep in touch with your veterinaries. Keep them informed of what's going on. If you are fostering dogs, if you have dogs visiting, if you have been in a facility, share that information. If you take your pets out and maybe you're running different sporting events, have that conversation. And did you know, sometimes pneumonia is an inhaled pneumonia. It means an aspirative pneumonia. It means the dog got choked and stuff got in their lungs and then they got an infection. Share what's going on in your world with your vet a bit. It's going to help them understand and make decisions. There is a lack of centralized reporting of medicine in the veterinary world. And the veterinary world is becoming more and more aware of this. CRDC. Canine Infectious Respiratory Disease. It's being called a mystery disease. We're working on it. Here's something you're going to be asked if you go to your veterinary. Would you like us to run the PCR panel? Would you like us to run the upper respiratory panel? And I think this is something that everybody should be aware of and understand. Because the more we know, the more connections we can make, the more connections we make, the more we understand You're going to be asked to pay for this panel. It's about a $350 panel on average, plus or minus wherever you go. Do you know why you're going to be asked to pay for this? And why people who own kennels and people who have neighbors who have sick dogs are wanting you to pay for this panel? It's because there is not a centralized medicine system for the dogs, good, bad, or indifferent. There is not a public health facility specific for our pets. We do have the USDA. We do have health departments. We do have animal control. We have people who are aware of it, but it's no one specific job like the CDC. 
Center for Disease Control for Humans, they do get involved in animal issues, but not quite in the same way that they do for humans. And that's okay. Just know it. So what that means is there's not underwriting or funding at this point for the testing panel that you may be asked for. In the shelter world, one university has stepped up and golly darn, it is a really good thing. As of December 2nd, Kansas State Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory is offering tests for, quote, mysterious canine respiratory disease, unquote. So they can use that information to help figure out what the heck this is. They're offering free next generation sequencing testing through December 31st of 2023. Yay! The submissions for free testing can originate from veterinary practitioner submissions only, and only from cases where the practitioner suspects a new respiratory disease is involved. This is why your veterinary is educated and plugged into the veterinary world, and this is why you have a sick dog, you go to your veterinary, and you have these conversations, and when they ask you if you want to submit the panel, you say, your choice. Yes, please. No, thank you. How are we going to pay for it? Have the conversations. We don't know what we're dealing with as a community until we get some more answers. The unifying symptom at this point is a persistent cough that doesn't resolve as it should. You don't get over it. And it just hangs on and hangs on and hangs on and hangs on. As a kennel owner, I have two things I'm going to tell you when you call and you say, can I board my dog over the holidays? We are going to be asking, where have you been? And please don't get offended when we do, because you're going to be asking us questions, because our goal and your goal is the same. We want to provide you a healthy, happy dog when all of this is finished. You you want to go home, you want to have a good vacation, you want your dog to have a good vacation, and you want everybody to go on happily ever after. We are going to be asking, are they coughing? Where have they been? Who have they been with? Are they healthy? We are going to be turning away dogs that are presenting with coughing. So have a backup plan ready. If they're coughing, if they're sneezing, if they're not looking healthy, we're going to be quarantining them and removing them from this facility because we want to keep the dogs that are there healthy. Work with us. We'll work with you. Talk with your vets. We're going to get through this and we're going to find out, is this something really that's going around or is it just something new coming around and we're all more sensitive to it? Keep posted. Keep in contact. Keep talking and be part of your community. Until next time, here on Raising Connections Radio Program, 